Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. That's right. That's what it is. It's the Wells Cast. I don't know. I don't know. Never to say in this in this part of the show. It always feels kind of weird. It's why radio people always have all those stupid sounders and and music and beds and stuff that talk over because it's everything is awkward. You're just like, oh, here we go again. Time to do uh, time to do the thing that I do every week. So buckle up, kiddos. Here we go. That sounded weird too. I don't know. You guys uh, watch. E a couple nights ago. I was on Kevin Hart's uh, new game show called Celebrity Game Face. No? Okay. Well, anyways, it was Kevin Hart, his wife, Joel McHale, his wife, Terry Crews, his wife, and then Sarah and I, and we we did his game show, and we lost, and Joel McHale cheated, I'm pretty sure, whilst wearing way too short of shorts, so whatever. If you watched that episode, we have to uh, power eat spaghetti and in the middle of the thing of power eating spaghetti we're feeding sarah and i are feeding each other spaghetti with those baby hands those tiny hands you know and uh, in the middle of it i just leave and i run to the bathroom and sarah is having to finish the thing by herself and she's like what where did he go and kevin is like what happened to wells and joel's making fun of me uh it's because i have a this condition that like food gets stuck in my esophagus i, I don't know if anyone else has this but it, it happens to me all the time all that spaghetti got stuck in my esophagus i had to go run to the bathroom and throw it up or i was going to die maybe not die but i was, I mean, I was in so much pain and here's and you know what big shout out to the good people over there at uh, Entertainment Television because they cut that entire thing out because I was mic'd up. You're just hearing me in the background and Kevin Hart being like, is is he okay? Are we going to get sued for this? What's going to happen? So anyways, I'm really excited about the show today and I'll tell you why. I'll just do it. Let's get you guys ready for it. Okay, let's do it.
I was thinking about it before, before doing this show. I think the three most iconic notes in music history is... Listen. You immediately know what you're about to watch when you hear... Right? Yeah, you do. So on the show today, we're going to have someone obviously from, yes, the show, The Office. And if you were one of those people that was like, I don't know those three notes, then just unsubscribe. Because you and I just don't have the same sense of humor, is what I'm saying. So get out of here. No, actually, please don't unsubscribe because I need, I need all the money I can get right now. Okay, because this is money coming in. It's fine. On the Wells cast today, I have a guy who won, I think, all the Emmys on a little show called The Office. This dude broke into the industry only three months after moving to Hollywood, which is crazy, by the way. But The Office wasn't his first gig. He's got a bunch of credits. Jake in Progress, Arrested Development, Everwood. Been in movies like License to Wed, Four Christmases, The Last Push, and even portraying a conflicted priest in Into Temptation. But let's be fair, everyone knows him as Kevin. At least once a year, I like to bring in some of my Kevin's famous chili. The trick is to undercook the onions. Everybody is going to get to know each other in, in the, the pot. pot. I'm serious the pot. about this stuff. Uh -huh. I'm up the night before, pressing garlic and dicing whole tomato. That's right, guys. So excited to have on the Wells cast the one and only Brian Bumgarner. Or, well, you probably know him as Kevin Malone. So stick around. This is an episode you are not going to want to miss. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. All right, back on the Wells cast. Very excited to have on the show Brian Baumgartner. 
also known as Kevin Malone from The Office. How are you, my man? I am doing great, Wells. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show. One, because I'm a huge, like everyone else in the fucking world, I'm a huge Office fan. But I'm also like, I can't come from the world of radio. And so I really do love hearing stories be told through my stereo system in my car. And so I'm really, right. really pumped that you are going to be doing a podcast now for Spotify called An Oral History of the Office. So just right off the bat, tell us about what the hell this is. Basically was born out of what you were just saying, <laughs> that everybody is a big fan of the office. We're going to pretend we're old friends. So we're just going to talk frankly with each other, right? Like we were the number one scripted show on NBC for a number of years while we were on Thursday nights at nine o'clock on NBC. And uh, the show was big, right? But from, from us, especially the cast perspective, w the show is so much bigger now, seven years since we filmed the last moment of the show. And really the podcast was born out of wanting to explore the question of why, why that is like, why literally, 11, 12, 13 year olds, 14 year olds to 50, 75 year olds who are, you know, have just found it for, on Netflix for the first time. But particularly the young people, because, you know, when we were making the show, we were like, oh, okay, we're, you know, there was some stat at the time, right? I don't remember what it was, but just say like 300 million people work in offices. So if some of those people relate to the show, this will be huge. But like, why do young people, specifically looking back for this podcast about how decisions that were made in setting up the show, in casting people, in hiring camera guys who had only shot reality shows before, had never worked in scripted comedy before, why this sort of assembly of people that came together, what made that specifically special and, and, and why it has endured to today and, you know, the other thing was we just wanted to tell the story ourselves. I mean, you know, I Ben Silverman, um, who is the first person, he's the one who got the rights to the show. He kind of started the whole thing on the American side from the British, you know, came to me about putting this together and me going to the cast and just saying, like, I think we should tell our story. I think people should hear from us. And not just that, they should hear from us together talking to each other because people will see that maybe why it endures is because people, when they watch, they see that that we really did over the 10 years become a family. So I got to listen to the first episode, like a sneak peek of it. And what I thought was really cool was you really dive deep into the nuts and bolts of the show. Like it's not all about like Dwight's beat farm. The first episode right. you have the casting director on. I'm somewhat in the industry. So that's so interesting to me. Wait, okay, so there's this one person who has to find all these people, but she's done all this other stuff. Who she picks really makes the world of The Office work. They were looking for unknown people on the show because they wanted it to they wanted it to appear that this was re these were real people who were working in a paper company. So they didn't want stars and what people, you know, especially who have found it on Netflix like Steve Car Carell is one of the biggest comedy stars on the planet, right? But this was before 40-year-old virgin. No, this was before Evan Almighty, you know, uh, now he's an Oscar nominee, for God's sake. You know, and and, and Rain Wilson, you know, he'd done a little something, uh, a little uh, um, 
recurring role on six feet under one season, but nothing really. And, you know, John Krasinski was totally unknown. Um, myself, in fact, I went to my agent at the time. I knew the British show and I knew there was a character that Kevin was sort of taken from called Keith. And I was like, all right, I've just moved to Los Angeles. If there is one role right now that I could be cast as just newly to, this is the role. Like this is me. I get what this guy is about. And I went to my agent at the time and I told her that, um, you know, th- this is what, what I should be cast at. Like I should go out for this part. And that she said, well, they're looking for unknown people, but not you, not like totally completely <laughs> unknown people. And, uh, it was really about Allison. Um, and, and, and when the show was cast, she cast, she cast a very wide net and, and found people that, you know, other people weren't looking for. It was really cool. The, what special skills in a way they were looking for um, from the people and how we all fit together in that space. I had Kate Flannery on the show a couple months back and she told us that she originally auditioned for the role of Jan. Did you always want to be Kevin or Keith or did you audition for other parts and then they kind of fit you in? Yeah, I tell the story in the podcast that originally I went I went out for Stanley. They called me in for Stanley. Really? Um, Kevin was the, the role that was for me. And you know, the British version of The Office, there are fewer characters than the American version. Uh, Greg Daniels knew he wanted more people um, to populate The Office here. He wanted the show to run longer and have more storylines. So, you know, the reason that Angela, you know, any character, Greg always says, any character that that has their own name in real life, those are the, that's how you know those were those were characters that were added in the American version. So um, there, there was just, you know, seven or something that, that, that came from the British. And there was Kevin and on, on the Kevin and Stanley. Yeah. So going back to kind of like the cultural phenomenon that is the office and you trying to like break down why the hell 14 year old kids who are into TikTok dances are binging the hell out of a show that aired, you know, I'm in my mid thirties was, was really, you know, my era show what do you think it is? What What is it about that show that's bringing in an audience that like I can't even relate to right now when I open up TikTok? I I don't I I, I mean I've done this podcast in part to try to answer that question. I think that one thing for sure was you know I said we were these mostly middle aged. I mean, I actually was younger. I looked much older at the time. I mean, I started the show, I was 31. But I guess that's still middle-aged if you're if you're 12 or 13. Uh, you know, why that resonated. And I think one of the answers that for sure uh, I think is true is much like these people are stuck in an office spending more time with these people that they didn't have any choice about than they do their own families, <laughs> kids are in school. So there's something about the setup of the show and how kids, you know, there's a teacher that maybe is unreasonable and maybe behaves in a really weird way sometimes and makes you do ridiculous things. And the people that you're sitting next to, you may not have chosen to, but, you know, you're in a school and you go, you know, five, six, seven years in a row, depending elementary school or junior high. So, you know, these characters, you know, these 
these archetypes, these sort of brilliant archetypes. And so they go like, oh yeah, my friend Sammy is like, he's like the Kevin, right? And <laughs> then there's the hot guy and there's the, you know, the, the people who have the crush. So I think it's became, though we didn't see it at the time, it makes sense that they get the show in that way, that in some ways it is built for them. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like everything that we do, even though if it isn't labeled as corporate, it is corporate. Like if you are on a football team, it's so corporate. There's a, the boss who's right. a, the coach who's an idiot, you know, or whatever. There's the quarterback. Life is too easy for him. There's the dipshit, you know, like you're right. Like anytime you have a bunch of people come together, it's corporate, whether you like it or not. Right. I mean, yeah, there's a hierarchy yeah. and there's somebody in charge and there's somebody who really wants to be in charge, but will never be in charge because <laughs> yeah. they're too, right. Like Dwight. Right. And and, um, you know, you have the person who's sort of over it and above it all, whether that's Jim in some, you know, in some ways or Stanley, yeah. depending on the perspective, you know. So, yeah, it exists. And I think the another thing is and this is not necessarily young people, but in some regard, it this is this is crazy and kind of meta and weird to think about. But think about it now. We're populated people's jobs are big box stores, right? It was kind of a joke that we were doing this show about a paper company, like a dying industry paper. Yeah. Like we were moving into the video age, age of technology. And there's some nostalgia actually for this, where you actually go to a place to get work that you have health insurance, that, you know, you have holiday, like there are all of these things that we think of as, as, as kind of unreasonable or, or, you know, like stuck in your ways that now, especially people going into the workforce now or having survived that and maybe a small business that's been downsized and now you work at Staples or something like the experience of working at Staples, whatever your job is, right. Is totally different than working at Dunder Mifflin. Like yeah. it is like, it, you know, and, and the corporate environments that you have to live through now and, the seminars, endless seminars that you have, you know, what you can say and not say, it touches on all of those things in a way that I think potentially brings nostalgia, even though it didn't happen that long ago. For iHeart, I still have to do a million training sessions about how to act in the workplace. And I do my show from my house. <laughs> right. Well, I, this was this was an old story. We actually don't talk about this in the podcast, but there was a time, right, when we started to have to have a year, you know, NBC, <laughs> Universal, corporate, we had to have a sexual harassment seminar, right? Like you should. <laughs> but the weird thing is, is that the HR reps from NBC, Universal would come over to our studio and they would show us clips because they were trying to make this this seminar interesting they would show clips from the office <laughs> about how not to behave in us and it's like we, we must get it right like we're lampooning it already yeah i don't i think we're set here i think we get it but yeah that was always funny to us Oh, man that is hilarious the show ran for nine years which just doesn't happen really that often anymore in television. And I talked to Kate, like I said, a couple months ago, and I had some some folks on from like 
uh, full house. And I always try to like relate it to to my life. And my fiance uh, was on Modern Family, which is another show that ran for a very long time. And after getting to know that cast and crew, yes, they are TV family. But once you like go hang out with them, I think it came across very authentic on TV because that's how it was when the cameras weren't rolling. And I assume that's how cast and crew was like really, really tight and really felt like a family. For sure. By the way, tell your fiance hi. The difference, I think, in The Office in really any show, because it's not really how network television shows are made, it's why we struggled so much in the beginning to even stay on the air, was it was no stars. There were there, not, None of us knew anything, right? And we all were also a little bit older. And so we knew, you know, I, there, there's a story, Melora Hardin, who played Jan, had been on 13 or 14 pilots, hadn't been picked up, nothing picked up. Like like living a lot, like getting what you want as an actor and just the the shows never went any, they would film one show and then be done. Um, You know, to Steve working, you know, hard at Second City, you know, Kate Flannery, who you mentioned, you know, doing improv comedy and, you know, stuff off Broadway in New York and myself, I did theater. Uh, you know, prior to the show. And so I think that that gave us a, a universal, real, like nobody was jaded. There was like a no jaded, you know, policy at the door like that. You had to have no jade if you were cast because, you know, there wasn't anyone who had any success. There was nothing for anybody to be jaded about. So I think that that makeup on our show specifically was a huge, huge part of it. I mean, Phyllis that, you know, she was a casting director. She wasn't even an actor, like, but it was about, you know, the, the, each individual skill that everybody had that that fit together and made it made sense. And that because the show was shot the way it was, they didn't want anybody famous on it. I mean, that makes sense. If it's supposed to be a documentary or a mockumentary, if you, if you recognize somebody, then, Right. The gig is up, I suppose. When you look back on all nine seasons, do you have most favorite episodes? Because everyone, you know, everyone, which is now like trillions of people who like love the show, has a favorite episode. Do you have a favorite episode? You know, I'll tell you a quick story. I remember going back to my high school and this is like the show had been on maybe six or seven years. Like it had been on let's say seven years. That sounds like a good number. I went back and they were like, Oh, would you come back? And would you talk to our students? Like, would you do like a Q and a thing? I was back at my hometown in Atlanta. And I was like, okay, sure. And so I talked to, uh, start talking and someone asked me the same question, you know, what, what was your favorite episode? And I said, well, I kind of have a, an answer that I give. And I said, you know, the, the first answer that I always say is diversity day. And I was hit with like a wall of sound coming at me. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Like I was, and just even in that moment going, okay, however old the oldest person in this room is, 18, 17, minus seven, right? If we're seven years, it was the second episode we ever did. Those people were 10, right? If you're a freshman in high school, like I can't do math very well. Maybe you weren't born yet. I don't even know. But it was that, like the universal recognition 
of title of episode and what that episode was that completely blew me away. Yeah, it's like, like soup Nazi. Totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that was one of the first times for me where I was like, oh, man, they're like really young people are watching the show now. Diversity Day for me, really special. Also, for some reasons we talk about in the podcast, the first Christmas episode that we did was kind of where the show took a turn from we're going to be around for a little while, I think. Um, That was special in that way. It was also a huge ensemble episode. Like literally everybody had something funny, interesting to do. In fact, one of my favorite moments of the maybe nine seasons is in that and from Kate Flannery, who you mentioned, when she flashes her boobs at Michael (laughs) at the very end of that episode. It's like, that's what she did in that episode. And that moment was so perfect on like 87 levels that like, you know, that, and um, you know, for Kevin personally, Kevin meaning me, I guess, but my, for myself in terms of Kevin, uh, there was a series of, of episodes where um, Holly, who eventually marries Michael thinks that Kevin is, is slow. That for me, Those episodes were so much fun just personally (laughs) to play and so rewarding. And maybe the first, maybe the longest setup to a joke in the history of network comedy, maybe. I mean, it was a joke that literally was four years in the making Yeah, that just was really fun to play. All right, I want to play something for you, and then I want to talk about it with you because I would be remiss if we didn't kind of just break this down a little bit. Once a year, I like to bring in some of my Kevin's famous chili. (laughs) The trick is to undercook the onions. Everybody is going to get to know each other in the pot. (laughs) I'm serious about this stuff. I'm up the night before, pressing garlic and dicing whole tomatoes. I toast my own ancho chilies. <laughs> that it's a oh. recipe passed down from Malone's for generations. Okay, I won't play the oh, entire Lord. clip, but I mean, uh, you spilling the chili is is iconic. Let's be fair. I feel like you only got one shot at this. Like they're not bringing in like a cleaning crew to like let you try this again. So walk us through that kind of iconic scene. First of all, I thought it was cool. It was a little bit controversial at the time because it was such a departure from, and I don't know, it's so crazy because people love the show. That moment has gone so crazy for people. And it is aesthetically, it's quite different from literally everything else. There's a voiceover yeah. that plays through the whole thing. It's a monologue. It's all, it's like, there's so many things that are different about it. But uh, when we filmed it, I thought it was very funny and perfect from a character stand. I mean, just like just the embodiment. It's so perfect. Episode that comes up later on where Kevin says it's good to just win one. And I feel like a lot of things for him was kind of about that in a weird way. I don't know. That's kind of meta too. You're making me go deep. But <laughs> about the scene, props crew came to me or set deck, maybe all of them. And they were like, hey, man. So the 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 piece of carpet right i mean where they were anticipating the chili could go was essentially from the front door of the office all the way in front of like the reception desk all the way to like where jim and dwight sat um 
And so there's a humongous piece of carpet. And they came to me, we have three pieces of carpet. Like, that's it. We have three pieces of carpet. And after that, we're done. Like, there's no chance to go anymore. So I was like, all right. I mean, and I, here, it's sort of a joke. You know, they call me Mr. One Take, which is true on so many levels. But I, um, yeah, I got it in, in one take. At the end of it, they could have replaced the carpet. I don't know that they could have replaced me in that moment <laughs> because I was, my hands were slightly stained actually from, from the, the chili itself. But yes, that, the fact that that thing is what it is today, it is sh- so unbelievably shocking to me. I mean, I just can't, it's crazy. I imagine it wasn't a thing that in the moment you were like, this is going to be like a huge thing. You, it was just like, yeah, like this is define day. my, like <laughs> define my life <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Like <laughs> literally define my life. Um, no, it wasn't. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. And I thought it was, I thought it was cool. And, you know, I think that, I was about to say something that literally the sum total was that it makes me really awesome. Yeah. But I will say it anyway, in a way, like doing physical comedy like that is not easy, right? So it's yeah. sort of like I probably got it in one take or I wouldn't have gotten it in three. And maybe the scene would have been like cut. And I mean, specifically, like technically. I know that I'm going to spill the chili as the actor going in, but making sure that it doesn't look like yeah. I'm about to spill the, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a technical difficult thing at times to do that stuff. And so, yeah, I had no clue. It was a fun thing to do. Um, it was one of an experience and, and it was kind of instantaneous. It became a thing. And now with our, GIF, GIF, GIFI, GIF, I, whatever the <laughs> hell they're called. I, I can't even get over. I mean, it's, it's not even once a day. It's like, I don't know, 10 times a day. I mean, it's like, I get it sent all the time. Any of my social media, it's just there. And I can say, it's like, I can say (laughs) I'm going, I'm, I'm jumping on a plane to New York tonight. And there was someone will say, don't spill the chili. I mean, it's like, no, those things don't make sense. Or even like I'm talking about, I don't know, like anything food related. I can't, I really, I shouldn't. And I, and I'm so stupid. I, I forget. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. I, I made this great, whatever meat item. And then it's just, there's no stopping the chili train at that point. Yeah. Speaking of gifs and gifs and memes and whatever, there is an office COVID meme that's going around right now that, uh, I do find pretty funny. It's everyone's character, what they would call coronavirus. Have oh. you have you seen this? No, I didn't see that one. I posted one. It's not so funny anymore, anymore actually. <laughs> but it made me laugh. This was when it started. It was what every office character would, what their response would be to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Kevin's to me was the funniest too. It was like, he's not concerned because he already had it or something like that. It was, but that was like when it first started early on. 
you know, Michael would want to have a meeting about it. I don't remember what it was. But I think I actually posted that on the social media, but no, what is this? What it would be called? Yes. What they would call it? Yeah. So Jim calls it coronavirus. Dwight calls it COVID-19. Creed, he's speaking Mandarin. <laughs> so you can't really, you just okay. make, any, make any sense. Okay. Uh, Angela calls it the wrath of God. Your character calls it weird flu. Weird flu. Yeah. yeah. Michael calls it Kung flu, which I guess makes sense. And yeah, anyways, oh. there's people that are, that are left off the list. And so I want them to keep going and I want to hear like what Kelly's would be. And, and <laughs> you know, but it's just so fun. Like memes, I don't even know if they were a thing during the office, but you guys are memed so much now, which I guess goes back to the original thing of like all these kids are totally gravitating towards your show. And I don't even know if it's true, but I remember hearing some stat that like the office was the most Netflix show ever or something like that. Yeah, that is true. So since they started having a way to quantify streaming, that was in 2017. The office is the most watched show streaming in 2018. I remember this is like 82 billion. That's with a B minutes were watched on Netflix and then we got a stat that even, you know, the first quarter of, of uh, 2020, the office was still the most watched show. And on the first day of the coronavirus, on March the 15th, it set a record for any show at any point in any time, 250 million minutes in one day. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it really is... <laughs> I'm sorry to your fiance. There's really no, it is the most watched show in television today. There's kind of no other metric that can quantify how many people are watching it. It is insanity. Don't worry about Sarah. She's doing just fine. Uh, oh, I, trust me. <laughs> Ask her if she wants to trade places. Yeah. I don't know that I would marry you though. I have another. Fair enough. Well, then it makes total sense for an oral history of The Office to, to come out in podcast form. It releases on the 14th of July uh, exclusively on Spotify. The first episode will be available across all platforms. Mm -hmm. It's free on Spotify, but after that, you have to go to Spotify. The first three episodes are launching on the same day, which takes you through bringing the show from Britain to America and then casting and then shooting the pilot or the of the first three episodes but i'm so incredibly proud of how it's come together it was so much fun because even you know we are a family and we do see each other but you know like people have moved away mm -hmm. like john krasinski i was like i gotta give his address or something what am i doing <laughs> he doesn't live in los angeles anymore so i don't i don't see him and so yeah. i went to where he was and and we had a um you know a, a nice a nice day so yeah that part of it has been really really fun so the entire show's in the can. The entire show is in the can. We are still doing some tweaks on the last two, but yes. So what are some guests that you had on this show that kind of surprised you? Because that happens a lot to me where I'll be like, I don't know if this interview is going to be any good. And then they come in and I'm like, that was one of the best episodes ever. And I wasn't expecting it. Wow, that's a great question. I really liked hearing from Ken Quapas, who directed the pilot and the finale and some of the episodes in between just hearing sp specifically, you know, what he and Greg Daniels did to create the world of the show, how much time was spent on that early on and things that we were asked to do or made to do that. We were like, this doesn't really make much sense. Like how that actually 
was a, a conscious decision that made all the sense in the world. We were just too dumb to, to see it. That was really interesting. I mean, being able to sit down with Greg Daniels himself one afternoon for four and a half hours was uh, unbelievable um, because, you know, he, he was our, he was our leader uh, on set and, um, and just hearing again from him was fascinating. And then, you know, we had our head makeup person and hair person talking about the looks of people um, and what they did. And, and, you know, we've taught the show has talked about so much and I will tell you, I am kind of a nerd about the business of television. So I was kind of paying attention to stuff as it was going on. And there are still, and this is going to sound so teasery, which is because I'm the most opposite of that. I found out like humongous groundbreaking things as I was doing this that I didn't know because the people involved were so humble and nice that they didn't think to have to talk about it, particularly in maybe in related to a crew person or in related to some fellow actors or something. So, uh, you know, that part was like, Oh, I know the story. Right. And then I'm like, Holy Lord, I didn't had no idea about that. So I, I think that's going to be really fun for people. And, and again, just hearing us be able to, to banter back and forth, which, which we haven't done in person in a long time. Well, I'm excited to, uh, to hear the rest of it. Like I said, I got a sneak preview of the, first episode i think is that's that actually the, the second episode oh, just really? so you know that's that's yeah, totally fine yeah the, the second episode is the casting episode yeah well regardless it was really interesting for me to hear and and hear you guys kind of go back and forth on just creation of the show so it's something that everyone should go listen to when it comes out on july 14th all right brian i want to be respectful of your time but i do want to kind of do what my show is all about which is origin stories so let's take a quick break and when we come back i want to hear how the hell you got to where you are now mom met a lot of your demands over the years this mother's day get her the bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand in just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian Cocktail Maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds make mom's mother's day and all the 364 days that aren't mother's day with a bartesian cocktail maker at 50 dollars off visit b-a-r-t-e-s-i-a-n.com backslash mother now to get 50 dollars off the bartesian premium cocktail maker bartesian premium cocktails on demand whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. 
So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Brian, I don't know if anyone told you the kind of the idea for this show is origin stories. I'm fascinated with how people got to where they are now. And you're now this iconic figure in, you know, television history. I imagine a lot of people think that, you know, you move to Hollywood and then you book the role of Kevin Malone and bing, bang, boom, you're a millionaire living in, you know, the Hollywood Hills, but I imagine that's not really how it went down. Tell us like where you came from and how the hell you got here. I came from Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I was a huge, believe it or else, Steve Carell calls me the greatest athlete on the show. I was a big athlete when I was growing up. I've told the story a few times before, but surprisingly, even close friends recently, I told someone who was like, I never heard that. I had a leg issue. I had like something that was from birth. And I mean, I like, I thought I was going to play, be a professional baseball player. Like that's really what I thought. And um, I had a leg issue, which was an elective surgery that had to happen. Um, Very long story short, something went wrong in the surgery and the, the cast that they put on the splint that they put on after my leg, um, you know, after they did the surgery, which was fine, there was like a chemical mismixture or it got too hot in one place. My leg burned through the back of my leg through my Achilles tendon. That was basically it for me in terms of sports. So I had to, I was in a wheelchair. I was in a walker, um, basically over the course of a year to a year and a half, you know, learning to rewalk again. And then because what the nature of the surgery was, which I won't bore people, they had to go back in and do something else later. So I had to have another one. And that was basically you know, it for me in that regard. And as I was recovering, I was a super active kid. And I was like, I need to find something else to do. And I started doing theater and found that that was something that I really enjoyed doing. So I went to school for it, um, like creating a character. Um, you know, all of those things are like, that's just what interested me. So I went to school at uh, SMU in Dallas because at the time I thought they had the best conservatory type training program uh, in the country that was within a a university. Go ponies. Go ponies. Right. Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that was within a university. Like I said, so like there's Juilliard or Carnegie Mellon. I didn't want to go to a school like that. Like I wanted a college experience. I'm that kind of guy. They had a great program. So I went there. I did theater for a number of years. I did. My parents tell the story of, I graduated from uh, college and I was working at a small theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And they flew up to see me and there was like seven people in the audience and they, you know, they didn't, they were smiling and everything is great. And then like on the car ride back to their hotel, cause I was in this tiny, they were like, what the hell is he doing? Like what, how we, he has made a terrible error. He always seemed like a smart guy. What is he doing with his life now? That was amongst themselves. They were always incredibly supportive of me. They didn't have that conversation with you, like in front of you. That was something that you heard later. That was something I heard later. Okay. I mean, and 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 some of it was not like later, like when, 
you know, <laughs> won an Emmy for The Office. <laughs> Not that later, but more like, oh, now he's doing, you know, theater, you know, he's going to Berkeley Rep, you know, in, in Berkeley and, you know, is whatever the, a thousand people or, you know, 500 people, whatever. Like they would joke about it then. So it wasn't like thought I was necessarily going to be on television or whatever, but they would joke about it that, you know, and their response later, but no, they were always super, super encouraging. And that's what I did. And that, that was what I thought my life was. I recently told this story. I don't know if I've told this story publicly actually, but um, I recently told this story to Allison Janney. Allison Janney, if you don't know, is one of the greatest American actors alive. Um, you've seen her in thousands of movies and West Wing, you know, she did whatever, 100, 200 episodes. And she was a she was a big star in New York. Like she was a working actor and I was working for a time running a theater company in, um, in Minneapolis um, at that time. And I was traveling to New York. I was like looking at new shows and I had a relationship with a playwright who had written a play, she was in it. It was like every time I showed up, Allison Janney was in whatever show I was seeing. And I remember going backstage. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm in theater in Minneapolis. Like no one wants to talk to me. And I'm sort of like this fly on the wall backstage in the green room. And I hear her talking to a friend and she's saying, well, there's this play that I really want to do. But if I do that play, you know, then I, I, I can't do anything in between and there's going to be six weeks and you know, how am I going to pay my rent? And my mind was blown. I was like, this is Allison Janney. Now this is before anyone knew who she was, unless you saw plays in New York, but to me, like one of the best actors. And I mean, on Broadway show after Broadway show after big off Broadway shows. And I was like, if she's worried about making rent, like because she can't work for six weeks i'm like what is and theater is hard man it is hard i mean i complain now when i don't have a water in my hand the moment i think that i want it <laughs> but that's a joke people but i mean it's it's hard work and you know eight shows a week six days monday is your day what who does anything on monday you have no life I just was like, okay, I think at some point I want to go to Los Angeles. I want to see what else is out there. And so um, I struggled and I was, but I was getting roles in theater and, and eventually I was getting roles at big theaters across the country in New York or, or wherever else. Um, and I was like, it was hard, kind of like the Allison story. Like I, I, I didn't want to say no to something. So I, I just, I finally just cut it off and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this show and then I'm going to stop and I'm going to go to Los Angeles and try. And then funny enough that you told the story you did. Once I got to Los Angeles, um, I, I happened to meet Greg Daniels and the folks at the office three to four months after I arrived. So once I arrived in Los Angeles, the rest of, of, that happened pretty quickly, but it was, uh, it was a number of years, uh, before I ever, ever got there. Yeah. Well, you paid your dues in Minneapolis winters. I feel, I feel like you were, you were, you were owed one. <laughs> yes, for, for sure. Yes. That for me, it, it was, I was really born out of the theater and I love the theater. And I think, you know, the live 
theatrical experience that you have that only happen. You know, you could do the same play three years in a row, eight shows a week, but every night is different um, because of the audience, the experience that's happening in the moment. I do. I love it. It's really hard. It's, it's really difficult. It's a difficult life for sure. I will say like when the office started becoming a success, it was like, you know, I was so proud of so much work that I did, like, you know, stuff that was difficult for me or challenging in a way and overcame something, you know, to do some role in some play. And I was like, and you know, how many people saw it? If it ran for three months, you know, and, and, and the, the, the ability to be able to entertain people, make people think, think about things in a new way. I think the office is one of the things that's special about that. You know, we were talking about race and sexuality and discrimination, um, women's issues. You know, we were talking about that stuff in a way that made people uncomfortable. And I was tremendously proud of that as well. You know, being a guy that came from the theater world, then kind of jumping into television, is theater something that you want to get back to? I've had some discussions about it, and Mm. I've definitely thought about it. And I would love, especially love, at least at this point, to find some way to go back to some of the great, great theaters that I worked in again and do something. Yeah, I mean, this is like so boring industries type stuff, but it is it's also just a, a huge time commitment mm-hmm. and sort of going back to the Allison, you know, if I have anything that I'm working on here, it becomes really, really difficult unless you're just saying, I'm just going to go and do that. And Jenna Fisher did it. She, she went to New York and she wanted to do a show. She, she hadn't done. Um, that's not where her, you know, where she came from. So she wanted to have that experience and she did it. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm so bad at the years, like two, three, four years ago or something. She went for a whole summer and did a show there and loved it. It was great. And I miss it at times. I'll go and see something and be like, damn, I want to do that again. But um, the right thing at the right time hasn't, hasn't come together yet. I'll say that. All right. I'm running out of time with you, but I wanted to do uh, some rapid fire questions with you. If uh, if you'd be willing. All right. uh, Rapid fire questions on the Wells cast with Brian Baumgartner. Here we go. Uh, What is your favorite pizza topping? Sausage. Favorite book. Uh, uh, Ever. Yeah. Or just this prayer for a a prayer for Owen Meany. I don't know why that popped into my head. Who would you call to get you out of jail? Not my mom. Did you ever have a poster hanging in your bedroom wall? And if you did, who was on it? Yes. Jack Nicholson as Whoa. the Joker. Really? In the original Batman. Truly. Yep. That's awesome. Should I not have admitted that? I don't know. I'm trying to, you're asking quickly. I'm trying to answer, honestly. No, that was great. Most people are like Bo Jackson or something, you know, or like Farrah Fawcett. Oh. And I, I, I love that, that answer. That was later. I, I mean, earlier. Okay. Anyway. Yes. That's an honest answer. Not when I was a boy. That's creepy, but yeah. <laughs> Here's Johnny. That would be a terrifying moment waking up in the middle of the night. What is the most expensive thing you've ever purchased for somebody else? Does a house count? (laughs) Yes, it Um, does. (laughs) A house. Who is your childhood hero? Man, I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I have an answer, but Dale Murphy, who played for the Atlanta Braves. uh, Dale Murphy. When you were a single man, did you have a celebrity crush? There was Sarah, um, what's her name? Sarah, hi. Um, yeah, yep. That. <laughs> hi, what's it? 
I can't think of her name. No, I always thought Charlize Theron was dreamy. Last question. Who's your favorite character on The Office? Kevin Malone, not included. Dwight Schrute. There you have it. Rapid Fire Questions with Brian Baumgartner. An oral history of The Office is out on July 14th on Spotify. Make sure you go download it, listen to it. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been wonderful. Very, very excited for this new podcast to come out. I cannot wait to listen to the whole thing. But hearing you talk about the show just gets me excited for said podcast because you can see how much like love and excitement that just kind of oozes out of you when you talk about it. So congratulations, my man. Thanks, Wells. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was nice to chat with you. Yeah, man. Stay safe out there. Don't go too crazy during the quarantine. And um, I'm sure I'll see you around this weird city soon enough. Absolutely. All right. Later, man. By the way, real last thing. Are there three notes in the history of music that are more iconic than those three notes? I honestly think that the three most iconic notes in musical history is this. Yep. Right there. <laughs> wow. That's good. That's deep. I like that. I like that. You immediately know what you're about to start doing when you, you hear those three you, notes. You do. It's funny that you mentioned that because I hear from people all the time, either in person or um, social media or whatever, that they talk about it's the only show that doesn't matter how many times that they keep watching on Netflix, they always listen they always listen to the theme song they don't skip they the intro do, they don't skip the intro yeah they do, that, that that's said way better yeah it's interesting so true all right brian thanks so much uh we'll go out with the three most iconic notes in musical history <laughs> see you man all right thanks so much Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.